Back in June, we talked about the uh, parable of the lost son. Remember that? Well, we're doing it again today. Do you remember what we said last time? Or do I have to say something new? Because I can repeat that. Or, alright, we'll do something new. We talked Last time we talked about the son that took the money and ran. And his strategy for living and how uh, it didn't work out for him. I want to look at it from a different angle today. We're in Luke chapter 15, verse 11 and 12. Luke 15. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. As we said back in June, Jesus loves to teach by story because it communicates a much deeper truth. So in this story, he was, uh, while telling the story of the two sons, he's actually telling the story of the father. So the younger son wanted his share of the estate. Now, as we said back in June, as a father, I don't think I would have given my share, the share of the estate to the son because I know he would blow it. Our Heavenly Father is not like that, is He? When you ask, He'll give it. So, the young foolish son asked for his share, and at his request, the father divided his property between them. Notice that the older son got his share too. So, the father gave the estate to the young son and to the old son. What did the father have now? Nothing. He gave it to the sons. It's a, I missed that the first time through. That the older son got his share of the estate. The young son got his, but the older son did too. Then we'll reread what we talked about in June, in verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. We talked last time in June about how great the love of the Father is to restore this son who had squandered the wealth 
with wild living and prostitutes and now he's back and the father opens the, the house, the family back to him, puts the robe on him, the ring on his finger, kills the fatted calf and they begin to have a celebration. Because the one that was dead is alive again and the one that was lost is found. The young son had a strategy for living. And his strategy for living was to be rebellious against the rules of society and his father and to pursue things to give him life and happiness. Maybe some of you see yourself in that strategy for living. That you're a little bit rebellious and you throw off the rules of society and your family and run and do your own thing looking for life and freedom. What I see with this group is, like this young son, when the hard times come, they recognize that they've made a mistake. They come to their senses, wake up, and run back to the Father. Just like this young son did. He realized that he had blown it. He saw the fruits of his, of his strategy, and he said, this isn't the way it is. And and he came to understand the character of his father. See, while he was off eating, wishing he could eat the pods that the pigs were eating, he remembered his father and said, my father treats his servants better than this. He he became aware and reminded of the character of his father and he ran back to his father. And the father saw him from a long way off and ran back to him. There was a great celebration. So he suffered the consequences of his sin and he remembered the character of his father and he came back home. But today I want to talk about the rest of the story. In verse 25, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked, What was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. Now I have to tell you that as long as I've read this parable, it was the bad son and the good son. Right? The bad son ran off and squandered his wealth and the good son stayed home and did what he was told. Funny how you can read a parable for years and miss the point, isn't it? The older son was out in the field working just like always. Then he got the news that the younger son had returned. (laughs) Yuck. That boy's back. And on top of that, my father is happy that he's back. He threw a party for him. The father was celebrating the return of the rebel. He even killed the fatted calf. But just as you expect, would expect, the older son was angry. And he had every right to be angry, didn't he? By the way, he had blown half the father's estate. He had not been doing his share of the duty. He had embarrassed his family. He had been a disgrace. He had run off in a culture where you do not run off. And the good son had stayed and done what he was supposed to do. So he had every right, of course, to be angry at the son. 
said everyone who lives by the other strategy. What's the other strategy for living? I'm going to do exactly what I'm told. Because if I do what I'm told, I will receive my reward. Well, that sounds like a great strategy, doesn't it? But it's not. How's that strategy work out for you? It works out just like it did for this son. Somebody receives grace and mercy, and the older son is angry about it. He didn't get what he deserved. See, the one strategy is based on rebellion and doing what I want. And the other strategy is based on earning things and getting what I deserve. It's interesting that Jesus taught almost exclusively to those two groups. What did he say to the strategy, the one strategy group? He ate with them, he went to their homes, he hung out with them, the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes. He went to them because they knew they were sinners and needed a savior. And he went with them all the time. Now who was the other group he dealt with all the time? The Pharisees. And what did he say to the Pharisees all the time? You honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. (laughs) Who did he call... uh, Whitewashed tombs and pit of vipers. The prostitutes, the tax collectors, the sinners? No, the Pharisees. The second strategy people. What was the strategy of the Pharisees? Obey the rules and we will be able to manipulate God to get what we want. Oh, yeah, that's the way the second strategy works. See, God, I did just what you asked. Now I need this. You ever heard anybody pray like that? Maybe in your own head? Yeah, me too. The strategy is obey the rules and do what is expected, and he would get what was due him. I don't see that in this parable. Hang on, we'll get to that. This strategy didn't work out because the goofball son had taken his share and had blown it. And the older son was working hard for his share and things were just not fair. And now the younger son was welcomed back um, into the family. Now, who owned everything that the family had now? The older son. The older son owned everything. It all belonged to him. The father had given it to him. And the younger son had wasted his. So everything the family had belonged to the older son. But was the older son happy? No. Strategy B won't make you happy either. Verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property and with uh, prostitutes come home, you kill the fatted calf for him. You see the heart of the older son? What's the heart of the older son about? His father or his father's possessions? What was the heart of the younger son about? His father or his father's possessions? 
Both the old son and the young son were more interested in the things the father could give them than the father. You do not say to someone that you care about, I have slaved away for you. I slaved for you. For years I did exactly what you said. See how that comes across? Isn't that how many of us respond to God? Look God, I kept your commands. I did what you said and it still didn't work out. Haven't you heard that? I have. I've said that. But when this son of yours... Oh, you mean your brother? No, this son of yours. See the accusation? The challenge about the heart of the father? He squandered it on prostitutes and you kill the fatted calf for him. See, father, you're not giving me what I deserve. I didn't even get a young goat. And by the way, I eat goat, but it's almost all bone, it seems, every time you eat it. I don't want any. I'll take a fatted calf any day. <clears throat> you see the boldness of Jesus? As he's standing there talking to the crowd, surrounded by the Pharisees and the sinners, and he said, here's the sinners. They went and squandered everything and blew it. But they knew they blew it, and they came back to me. You Pharisees, you're like the older son trying to earn your inheritance because you've done exactly what you thought the Father wanted you to do. They were both indifferent to the Father. The, young, the younger ran away from his father, but the older refused to join his father. And both of these are just as unacceptable. But it's interesting to me that just like the young son, the father looked and saw the son coming and he ran out to be with him. The father went to the young son. Here's the same thing. The son, the older son wouldn't come into the party and the father went out to the older son. See how the father has, has come to both sons? said in verse 31, My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. My son, you are always with me. At least physically. Because in his heart, there's a big gap between the father and the older son, isn't there? Everything belongs to this son. You have the kingdom. But we had to celebrate. Now this isn't had as in we're forced to. This is in they couldn't help it. We can't help but celebrate. Your brother is back. He's been restored. We got to be happy about that. He was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And the story stops right there. Where's the older son? Outside the celebration. 
He's not in the party. <laughs> what happens next? We don't know, do we? It's easy to look down on people that live by the first strategy. It's easy, right? But the ones that are really hard to find life are the ones that live by the second strategy. Because they think they have life. Jesus often said to the sinners, Oh, you'll come to me. But the non-sinners, right? The air quote, the Pharisees, who don't need a physician. Jesus said mockingly to them, they need a physician. But they don't think they need one. The older son doesn't think he's done anything wrong. In fact, the older son thinks he's done everything right. And his father should be very happy with him because he's done everything he's been told to do. But you can see the heart of the older son. He doesn't love his father. This is a hard story. Because most of us here have spent most of our time living by strategy number two. Of obeying the rules and doing what the father tells us to do. So that we'll get the reward that we want. We honor Him with our lips, but our hearts are far from Him. So, these two strategies. Just about everybody, based on their personality and their history and their experience, is one or the other. Right? And we, we see and we can look around and we can name them, right? You can, you can put people in, oh yeah, they're definitely, they, they blew it. They're the, they're the squanderers and, and they're the rule followers. A lot of people live their whole lives that way. But some people do a little bit of both, right? They break the rules here, but they keep the rules there. And they kind of spend times in each group. And some tried one, but it didn't work, so they switched to the other. Right? Haven't you known people like that who were, who were just flat out sinners and then they came and became just absolute rule followers? And then you know some people who have been rule followers all their life and they finally realize there's no life in that so they throw that off and they go over to the other strategy to have some fun because it didn't make any difference. And if there were only those two strategies for living, what a life we would have. But there's a third strategy, one that is available to you because of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, you need to give up both of the other strategies and choose this strategy. And what is this strategy? What is this alternative? It's this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I, I know that you know that you've heard that what does it mean to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength 
You know, one day I'm going to die and get to go to heaven and live in a city that's made of gold where the river of life flows down the street and I'll be happy with no more pain and sorrow forever and ever. And I want that. Don't you? Do you want that or do you want God? Say, I want God and I'll get that. Do you want to have a happy, fruitful life here on earth where things tend to work out? A lot of good things happen in your life. Like you might find stability at home and a good job and your finances will get in order and your kids might be respectful and obedient and life will just kind of work. Don't you want that? Of course I want that. So I'm going to follow the rules to get that because I know if I manage my money well, when I retire, I'll have money. And if I'm faithful to raising my kids, when they're old, they'll be obedient to me. And if I pursue my wife and love her well, then she'll respect me and we'll live happily ever after. Doesn't all that sound good? You'll get all that if you follow the rules. So follow the rules so you can have all that. See how this slippery slope works? That's all nonsense. Okay? That's nonsense. There's no life in that. When does that ever end? When do you ever find peace with that? Never. Never. But Jesus said it like this. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. See, we want the things. I know, I do too. We want the things. But do you know you'll never get the things by pursuing the things? It's like the carrot in front of the mule's snout. He can never quite reach it, so he keeps taking a step till he's worked all day to get a carrot that is always out of reach. Come all to you, come all to me who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Wouldn't it be great to stop striving for all the things that we think we have to have? And by things we think that we have to have, I'm not talking about houses and cars and boats and jewelry and guns and all those things. I don't mean that. I mean peace and love and joy and kindness and community and family. All the things that we strive for. Because it just needs to work out, doesn't it? Why won't it work out? So we keep pursuing that. And I think, well, I've loved Lana this week. Finally, now I can rest. Oh no, i got to do it again next week. And the week after that. Right? It doesn't stop. And what a burden that is. But the offer for Jesus is to come to me. And I will give you rest. You see, the Holy Spirit is described in this way, that what we have because of the Holy Spirit is called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I know you've heard this before. My apple tree does not strive to make apples. There's no labor involved. The apple tree just sits there being an apple tree and apples pop out. And when you sit here being the child of God that you are, knowing who you are because of Jesus Christ, fruit happens. It just starts popping out. 
that's what strategy B, the second strategy, is all about, right? The pursuit of the fruit. I'm going to work hard to make this fruit. But it's not attainable in that way. It's only attainable when you pursue God. Then the fruit comes. And oh, what a relief that is. To know that it is not up to me to produce fruit. It's not my job to produce fruit. It's my job to love the Father, to love God, to pursue Him, to love His character and what He stands for and who He is, to pursue Him. And then these other things come. And by the way, when these other things come then, they don't mean near as much to me. Because I realize I don't need them for life because I get my life through Jesus. So when these things are missing for a day, I'm still okay because of Jesus. So a little self-examination time. Which strategy are you living under? If you're the strategy A, God the Father is not mad at you. He loves you and wants you to come back to Him. And He will rejoice when you come back to Him. If you're living under strategy B, you can let go of that burden and pursue God. And, and he will throw open the party and you're welcome to come into the party too. The invitation is for you to join the party as well. Those strategies don't have life. Jesus offers life. Oh Jesus, thank you for the life that you give us. We recognize how in our own effort, and our own plans, we have pursued other things and other ways of having life. And we know that both strategy A and strategy B do not produce life. They produce pain and heartache and separation from you. Thank you, Jesus, for being life for us. Thank you for being one that we can pursue, that we can love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything that is part of our being, we give to you, Jesus. We follow you. Heavenly Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, we pursue you. The other things are secondary or below. We realize and recognize they don't even matter. It's you that matter, Jesus. So, right now, I give myself to you. Fully and completely. I don't want another plan or another strategy. I want your plan. I want you, Jesus. I want you.